0: You're
1: welcome again to the Sample Access Podcast, episode 61 is what we are on right now yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's supposed to be a great one, it's going to be a great one because it's a spiritual thing. Yeah.
2: So how did this come about? By the way, um, my name is Nelson. This is Guiga. Thank you. For, um, <laughs> no, it's the other way around. My <laughs> name is Nelson. Thank you very much for joining episode 61. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is iconic. We love it.
1: This yeah, we love it. we love it. We love it. It's awesome.
2: Uh, this episode is about the legend Ambrose Campbell. Mm. And that name doesn't
1: it's sound... It's going to sound weird for doesn't millennials. It does sound very Nigerian.
2: Yeah. Sounds but like his
1: name is Kukpo. Ambrose is not even his name. It's a nickname. Oh, yeah. What, what's his first name? I think... Oladikukpo.
2: There's another
1: one. There's a middle name, but I know a lot of people is the one that I know. A lot of Campbell. About. Yeah, you know the first time I heard the new call, I didn't understand. Then I heard the song. All the links to all the songs that we're going to talk about in this episode will be in the show notes. Will be in the show notes. And you can access them. And, and you can access them. So, out. Ambrose Campbell, yeah, it doesn't sound Nigerian, just like Ignatius Abiodun, that is um, Brewster Hughes. This is just like an old school thing. These guys were born in the early 1900s. What I mean, early 1900s, 1919, yeah, 1920. Century. You know, I'm sure. I think. Um. Yeah. Um. Baba Ignatius Abiodun Brewster Hughes was born way before Ambrose Campbell because he was an older brother. So we would be talking about uh, and their music.
2: Anyingkohe. Anyingkohe. Do you know what that means? Can you break it down? Any ring
1: like someone that sees something that is good find something on the floor and yeah that is good
2: yes and he picks mm, it up mm. it doesn't belong to you but you found something good one it's one. like walking in if hundred thousand dollars on your mm, way to hundred thousand dollars let's
1: make this more relatable you're on the beach and then you find pearls yeah you can find That's that on beach. Oh, I ain't seen eh, pearls. Or shells, before. shells, nice I shells. I want to see hundred thousand oh, dollars. You're telling me relatable. My brother, my brother, why is everything money with you? When was the last time you saw pearls? I was in Lagos like last year. I wasn't in Lagos. Not pearls, per I want dollars, but I saw sea- seashells. Me, I don't. Seashells, don't know seashells. seashells. Really?
2: I My brother, I want dollars. <laughs> <laughs> you are walking on your way to Ondo town. Yo,
1: do you know what just? just I found fifty k. Do you know that part in Emizawa's em, song? Yeah. That's
2: a different topic.
1: I know, but then it just reminded me of something. Because it's almost like... Yeah, yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? But this is... A, you get That's, the context. Again,
2: you, you see how old music is made with storylines mm. and messages. Mm. So, Nelson loses 50k. And me, I'm I now walking... 50k, Jesus. Name. <laughs> me, I'm now walking from my... I, I just walk like a bat mm. i'm observing i'm moving <laughs> and i found the 50k and i picked it up like yo i've been looking for money for a while and mm. i found this and I'm i now carry it and i go to what's the biggest bar in Quilox? 50k or, mm, or w. but i just go to the bar and i start jumping around or mm. i don't know i start to behave as if
1: you own everything and everything they work for you. And you so and you. Be,
2: uh, Ambrose Campbell on that song, is it a ballad? Yes, I think. Yeah. Look. Was saying that oh, yeah. you that you found a gift, you found a free gift that mm. doesn't really belong to you. You really didn't deserve it mm. and you want to die because of it. It's like po- Nigerian politicians. Mm. The four years, you, the governorship that you won is for you to serve the people and you want to key yourself there. You want to remain in power. Mm. What about the person that lost the money? What about the people you are supposed to serve? Exactly, that's one of the um, so, important punchlines in that song. Everything you have in the world, you came here to meet it. One day you will die and leave it. So don't don't carry everything on your shoulder. Don't carry everything on your head as if you are the only one around. So it's a deep song. Apart from being a deep song, is a beautiful song. The rendition by Ambrose Campbell with the guitar, with the arrangement, with the jazzy and calypso flow. We talk about all of that and some more about the story of this man called Ambrose Campbell. He's very fascinating. Yeah. Uh, His person, his music, his story too. So we wanted to dig in a bit and we we had to invite someone to join us on the podcast. And we had an interview with um, Damia Jai, who is a poet and writer, culture critic, uh, also a medical doctor. He spoke with us for about 50 minutes and, you know, 45 minutes thereabouts. Great conversation. We hope people love it.
1: The entire episode is going to be mostly based on Ambrose Campbell. We know we're always going to come back to Ebenezer Obey, so we're just going to give a little brief for those that already understand what Ebenezer Ebenezer Obey is all about. Juju Musician, and you know, his music is amazing. Anytime we have the opportunity to listen to his songs, we always feel good about ourselves. Many of our green songs. Many of our green songs. Like, for example, I have a couple that... I understand every single thing he said in the song. Mm. And there's some that I do not understand that I always try to find. And then it's so beautiful that you discover that when you were younger, you probably didn't like listening to these songs because it felt like they were forced on you. But now you understand that these songs have so much meaning. I mean, yesterday, on my own, without any um, one forcing me, I went to click Ebenezer Obey and I played it yeah. for like three to four hours. This was not even thinking about the work we're meant to do. Let me bust your head. <laughs> it was late in the night. late at night, I remember that, oh, I was supposed to listen to... So I already listened to Ibafele Dumari, all those beautiful songs, you understand? I was done by... And then I listened to a couple of Ambrose Campbell songs, even though that was work-related at first. Mm. But I got to enjoy what he had in terms of music. So uh, we would be, you know, giving you the connection. And then you already know that Ebenezer Obey Juju, Miliki, that man has nobody on that level yet.
2: Are you saying Obey is the prime Juju artist?
1: I'm not saying it's the prime Juju artist, but it's the face. Hmm. Yes, there's a difference.
2: Sonny Ade is the king of world blues.
1: Mm-hmm. He's the king, but there's a face for us right here. That Egba man is the face to us.
2: Of Juju music. Yeah,
1: because whether you like it or not, I think most King Sonny Ade of... went beyond Juju music. He became more international. World he, beats. World, exactly. That world music. But it's still juju. That world, yeah, no, it doesn't take away from. You get, it's like this. It's like, we just said it now. King Sonia is the king. Grand Komada is the
2: face. And Chief Ebenezer Obey is the face. Yeah. I don't agree.
1: Okay. I think I, think <laughs> I was just saying, this is not a competition. This is I the think same. there's
2: one king. One and only king. Who is that? The king is a face. Whiskey is the face of Afrobeats, period. I, do you think Whiskey is the king of Afrobeats? Don't enter no another. <laughs> I don't know.
1: Like I'm just saying. That's what I'm but saying. But Whiskey is the king of Afrobeats, the king and the face. All right, let's see this way. Sonia there's there's is, always This the king of the, the sky, there's one. This what am I talking is, this about? These are one of the things that I got from, you know, getting understanding my last story. There's one thing that, they, were say, that said, they said in that, you know, the whole context the of the story yeah. and the movie and all that. The sky is big enough for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, we understand that. People like to hold on to the fact that you are a king, you're a king. But everybody has. Their place. Their place. That's not good. In that far. music. So that's what I'm saying is yeah, I think obey has to be a I can say yeah. Undeniable. That's what I'm saying. Like
2: but the face of juju music for life is King Sonyadi. Okay. I, I don't know.
1: I, I, okay. It's, it's just like Fuji. Yeah, true.
2: Uh SAB. That's the pioneer.
0: Mm, mm,
2: mm, good one.
1: <laughs> good
2: one. <laughs> Afrobeats, wasted, But yeah, Ebenezer obeys music. Has this is what you're talking about? Has that effect? Mm-hmm. The storytelling his pattern is unique, nobody does what he does. It's just that we can't find the word, nobody does what Ebenezer Obi does in terms of all those stories, evergreen songs from one to like 70. I um, this, this, and uh, uh, is classified as a very evergreen song 50, mm-hmm. but he has done many. Uh, I must Mueda. Uh Congo uh many many albums. Kete Kete the many stories, many songs. That's obey. So maybe we can then craft his own genre. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just dicey. It's like Wizard. Yeah. Who is contesting who might be contesting with Wiz when he comes For to
1: Afrobeat I mean from what we just got from David has Bellum. hits,
2: yeah. But Wiz is the king.
1: Yeah. And then we don't like to call Bernard in that aspect, but then whatever we don't like to
2: is a star performer. Mm. He's a total artist. It's Afrofusion. So mm. I think early on he separated himself from you know that debate. Uh listen to our conversation with Damia Jai uh music critic, culture writer, poet, medical doctor, superstar, all of that. Listen to Damian Jai and we'll be back to wrap up the show. Sample access.
1: The sample axis administered by and <laughs> Nelson. Boyega. Yeah, you're listening to the sample like this
2: podcast. So, before we get into the interview, there's an advanced information that I should put here uh, just so you're aware. While we were recording the interview, there was a technical glitch around the first 10 15 minutes of the interview. So, you may hear some echo at some point. In the beginning of the interview but it gets better into the rest of it so we do apologize for the quality of the audio at the beginning of the interview but it's still very audible and enjoyable please enjoy this Sample Axis podcast. This is our podcast about samples. Uh, We try to trace history through this podcast. We talk a lot about uh, where music comes from, Uh, the sounds that we hear today. We try to trace where they come from and we see the examples across board because almost every song, you know, has a history to an old song. So today we have the honor or we, we, we want to try and ex- x-ray or, or explore some history of Yoruba music, uh, Western Nigeria. Uh, so on our radar f- for today, we're talking about one of those songs by a legendary Nigerian Yoruba musician, uh, Juju musician, Chief Ebeneza Obe, uh, who in the year 1973 had this album, uh, the, the the lead song titled Enirin kohe that song is a personal favorite for me. so on our quest to try to discover where the song may have come from, we found out that it was actually recorded in 1957 by uh, Ambrose Campbell. So uh, we have someone who knows more than we do uh, in terms of the history of these two people, especially uh, someone who I have found out uh, has you know is, de- is very very keen on history and culture. So I'm talking to Damia Jayi uh, who is a medical doctor. Most of us don't know him as that. Uh, we, know him ha- we know him as one of the finest Nigerian poets of his generation. He is also a writer and musical musicophile, also a cultural critic, very passionate, I would say, about the literary arts, especially poetry. Uh, he recently published a book titled Affection and Other Accidents, a collection of poems, Around a love story. Uh Dami Ajayi, thank you so much for joining the Sample Access Podcast.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
2: Let's begin. Yeah, so the much we know in our, uh, uh, you know, our little our, space you know, about Ambrose Campbell is that, was Campbell that he was revered, he was which is like reversed. the the punchline I picked from what I read, he was revered by the great fella as one of the pioneers or perhaps the pioneer of modern Yoruba or modern Nigerian music actually. So Give us a brief background or history lesson on who
3: Ambrose Campbell was. Like most people, I came to Campbell as well as, uh, um, will I say, after his death? I think he died sometimes in the, in the mid-2000s. Um, um, I, I, everything I say is what I've read
0: hmm.
3: or heard. So it's not like I, I made this history, I was there where it happened. So, I mean, without caveat, I can say authoritatively that Campbell is one of the often not talked about um, musicians. And one of the reasons why he's not often talked about is he wasn't on ground. He was a troubadour in his own sense, a sojourner, if you like, who um, left the shores of Nigeria in the 40s, right? And then he moved into London, lived in London for a while um, until I think about the '60s or '70s, and then he now went into America. But he came back to Britain, you know, United Kingdom, in the late 2000s before he passing. But you can say that he was just one of those guys who, who was always like a restless soul, but uh, a fun and fantastic musician in that sense. So, if there are some very interesting profiles of him, I mean, in the um, Guardian UK. They have, a, I think, an obituary and a profile. And I would enjoy anyone who wants to understand his story yeah. to just listen yeah. to to, to yeah. listen to all of that. Um, and even more in, in, interestingly, that he was friends with some of the literary figures in London at the time. Mm. And in fact, um, a novel called City of Space by Colin McKinney's um, is pretty much based on his, um, on his life aspects of his life. Thank you for that.
2: Um so, I, I forgot to heard, introduce my partner, uh, Nelson, also on the podcast, he will be asking you questions do 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 do, do, as well. And I hate, so, hate like the so fact serious, that I have made <laughs> this so serious. <doing> but um <laughs> This man is a big deal to Nigerian music history. How much from your perspective do you think he is? Because we learned that a lot of people learned from him. I mean, Ebenezer would be if Fela could refer him as that. How how big a deal how, was how he, and who were his, contemporaries at, his contemporaries
3: at the time? Well, to so think about it, he was in the forties. He was he um, was he had a band called the West African Brothers, and it consisted pri- primarily of himself and some also um, West Indians uh, musicians. I mean, musicians of Caribbean origin who were also living in London at the time. Um, there was a there was a bar or like a club or in Soho called the Abalabi where they played. Um, and I mean, there's very little videos or any kinds of archival materials that is available on the internet. But imagine that there's some of these things lying in some people's basements, um, about how these guys, what these guys did then. And you know, what they played and all of that. But the whole idea of it was that he recorded music. He recorded several vinyls, um, It was first with Eus Brewster, I think, that um, guitarist, who was also like him was from Nigeria. Um, And they played together. But I think um, after some times, as it would happen with musicians, there was a falling out. And um, following the falling out, uh, they spattered ways, and um, Andrews now led the band. Uh, He was a fantastic vocalist. He wasn't much of a guitarist. Um, although every so often you would see him um, pose with a guitar and, you know, the, he could play to a certain extent. But his strongest power was his composition. He was a fantastic um, music composer. Uh, and he wrote quite a number of songs that uh, became very important to, um, to the growing music scene of um, I Love Juju. Because essentially you... If you were going to look at where Campbell fits in, you could say that it was playing what appears to be a fusion of highlights. You and in the, 40, in the 40s, 50s, um, at the time, the, there were very, very, not very clear lines in, in, um, in these two genres, really. They were very similar. Um, and so I guess that's really the best way to think about um, Campbell. Uh, he was a high juju musician, more or less. Um, with regards to Fela, I think there was at some point when Fela was in in the, in the UK for his studies, their the path must have crossed. Uh, no doubt about it. I'm not very certain if uh, there was a performance that um, Shoinka once did where Fela and another musician played. I don't know if it was Ambrose that played, but um, I would not um, like to give any false information, but I'm I'm certain that there must have been some sort of engagement or collaboration between the two of them. Um, Of course, one can try a Google search and see if anything comes out of that. Now to the other musicians. I mean, so since since you've established that he played High Life and Juju, you just need to look into the contemporaries that he had at the time. So the likes of J.O. Araba, the likes of... um, Fatai Rulin Dollars may have been his contemporaries because these guys these were the guys that were eating it big in the forties and the fifties at the time. So the likes of Adeuluaki Kisoya uh, as well. That's very, very, very accurate. So th- those must have been his contemporaries. But because he lived abroad, um he wasn't as popular as those guys on the ground saying, you know. It wasn't that popular. And I don't think he even visited often. It wasn't I didn't get a sense that it was Someone who really had that affam, affam, uh, will I say, uh, affinity to the land in in itself as as in the idea of being Yoruba in geographical space. That is, was he keen to stay within the boundaries of Nigeria? Did he need to come in? I did not get that sense from him. Talk a bit about the musicians he influenced. So if you look at the early juju, well not the early modern juju. The early the modern juju musicians, post independence. I mean, you had a good ten years before the petrol dollars came in, and uh, the Biafra War, and all these things that you know, sort of like make juju emerge to become a superior um, musical form for the elites of the Yoruba extraction, or elites of the Southwest region or southwestern regions. Kambé was one of the source materials that all the early juju musicians. Um, the likes of Apollo King, the likes of Chiva um, Beniza Obey, and even Sonia, they, they all sampled a lot of his songs, I mean, which must have been recorded in the 50s and the early 60s. So years after these guys were going into studios to wax albums, and they were making um, songs um, of his, uh, making I mean, remixing his songs. So if you listen to Enirin uh, uh, Kanye, which is um, one of Obey's finest uh, classics, there's a very much shorter, steady like uh, version, which has a very Caribbean Calypso-y feel, done by Campbell. You know, with Campbell's very mellow, you know, voice just coasting over. It's a beautiful song, and I don't know if you're gonna, if you play music on your show, maybe you should. I agree
1: with you. So My name is Nelson. My name is Nelson. I half the I half of the sample access. half of sample access. I, 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 been, I been wanted to. Have, like, I've, I've been having like, like a, couple a couple of questions, of questions that I've been having in my mind for a while now about, because since um, we started talking about um uh, George Campbell and you know researching uh, on, him you know, on him and seeing how great he was during his time. That any any record he, such a beautiful song and I know there's a small line that we draw when we talk about the samples and all of that. There's this the the song by the Beatles. I want the to start from the there first. Then maybe we we'll go all the way back, the back again. The song by the Beatles, Beatles was "Hey Jude," that, that was released in 1970. The underlying, and beats, underlying and the, beats and the 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 base of the song the, the of the sounds. Sounded almost alike, and there have been talks alike. that you have heard once or twice that, that Ambrose was the one that, know, that owned it, obviously, that, because he came like 13 years before. Years either the 1957 time is correct time or inaccurate, correct. so I don't know if you have any you have proper any background, story about, background story about how that happened or why there's even a link whatsoever between Ambrose, between Ambrose Campbell, and, Campbell
3: and, the and the Beatles. Well, I mean, so I don't really have, I mean, Beatles is a British band were a british band and bruce camber was in britain playing and we you you and i always know that a lot of music of music that is um in the nightlife circuit end up becoming fodder for recording so that is an easy way to think about it so if the sonia days who were not even in britain who were in um lagos could take and use Campbell's music. How much more the Beatles? And do not forget that a lot of these bands then did not write their own stuff all the time. They worked with people who would, you know, listen to music somewhere. Crossboards. Can hmm. take it, you know. But so I mean I'm not I'm not one for conjecture. I haven't done any proper research into the history or the correlations between these two songs. I mean, and easily the ways you walk around this is to find the, get the the recording sheets, look at the people who played on the album or people who played on the music, look at the composers, try and see there's the if there's a relationship. You can piece and put these people together in some place. Yeah, I mean, it's that's all very fun and interesting, you know, but I, for me, as far as I'm concerned, you know, I don't know if Campbell himself, at any point in time, took legal action against these guys. We don't know the backstory, and, I, and I'm not going to say or I know what happened. Yeah. So, but obviously, these guys, I think it's just it's a case that this guy was just being sampled by everybody because he was yeah. doing very good stuff. Yeah. And
2: there's no crime in that. And there's no crime in that. Being. That's music.
3: Definitely. That's
2: music. Um, I I um, want to probe, I, I want and, to probe understand and understand what, understand what your, music, your, defines your as. music defines us. So. As so, a, a, lot a, up a lot of us grew up, up on Ube uh, and Sonia Day some, some and some, some Orlando and a little bit of, of this, person and, this person, person and that but person. But when I listened to Enirin Conhe by Mboskamba, you, you, you just mentioned the, the Calypso feel, the Caribbean type of feel. Now, do we have any kind of evidence? Again, I don't know. It's sounding like investigative interview. But. Would you say, that, uh, would you my say that, that my assumption that he being he a being cross-cultural Nigerian, Nigerian Nigerian in Lagos Nigerian and a, in and Lagos other places, that, a, he in other places that he may have been transporting to, you know, to, moving, to Britain, to moving to Britain, is there a mixture of is sounds mixture here? Of sound do you, that, you think he had a richer had a approach richer to music because of his because multi, being able, there, being able to combine, being combine? Because that Aenurin his song with the way it came out is just beautiful and I cannot really attach that sound to anybody else the closest person will probably be be Tunji Oyelano much later or maybe around the same time so So do you think there is a combination of cultures in what in the music that Ambrose Campbell did
3: well I mean there was definitely was because Campbell was performing and playing music in London and he had Caribbean musicians who played with him and if you've ever listened to Campbell, because I mean, there are a few interviews here and there on 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 on, on the internet with Campbell um, talking about his methods, talking about his um, the way he engages with people and all of that. There was, I mean, they must have been some kind. Those people must of most must also have influenced the output, you know, so to speak, of what he was releasing. So if you're interacting with Musicians who are from the Caribbean origin, So Calypso, Zouk, and all of the ska, and Rocksteady, which was pretty much music that was cutting edge at the time, would be part of what you're doing. And and you're playing music in London. I mean, this was um, around the period of the Windrush. So there were a lot of Caribbean migrants who were coming into London as well. And there are also migrants like Campbell and everyone else who were there, and these guys were meeting a culture that was already down as well. So I, I think that influence, those that sense of influences, must have had an effect on Campbell's music. You know, so even though the music was particularly done in Yoruba, and he did most of his singing in Yoruba. Uh, the 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 sound the the sound that was was very unique authentic and just very cutting edge I don't know if I've answered your question Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah you did you did Yeah yeah did, uh, that, did. that's that's, absolutely, yeah, brilliant. that's um, absolutely brilliant Um now uh, I want to push it to this generation to but before that I mentioned Tunji Tung- Yelano um, those people who were, um, I learnt that Tunji Oyelano was lecturer in UI at some point, and you, you mentioned Wally Shoinka as well, a professor, playwright and all of that. Have we lost that generation of literary artists uh, because we don't see those anymore? Uh, Tunji Oyelano, intellectual musician, Ambrose Campbell was on that level too, you, you may say. Uh, what do you think happened or what did we fail to do with that generation? That and that we seem I mean, not to see I mean, them anymore those, those kind of musicians so, uh, you you're talking
3: you're talking you're to a doctor anymore. who's a poet and who's a music critic Oh, yes i'm I'm. not yes, one yes, i'm just one yes, person and i'm not being i'm just giving myself as an example so i i generally very wary of um of um of investing so much in nostalgia yeah i mean there are people who are doing in Incredible stuff. The likes of Tunde Leia, for instance, the likes of Leia Dele, as well, who is a UK based um, writer and um, taking most of his, he writes mostly crime crime thrillers, but names his books, some of his books, after some very fantastic songs like Easy Motion Tourist and all that. Um, there are a lot of the underground who are doing incredible stuff, you know, playing great music, you know. Um, you have the guys on Afro Beats who are making fantastic music as well. You have the likes of AQ who are doing rap, you know, I, I don't know if there's any benefit in thinking about if, if there's, if they are not like Shoyinka, they can't be like Shoyinka. Shoyinka is his own person and he, he, yeah, he's a man of his own generation. Um, And he did what he needed to do at the time when he needed to do it. But I'm saying that at the forefront of African music now is Afrobeats and Afrobeats is having a world dominance at the moment. Everybody is excited about it. They are playing this music. It has never happened before. The doors that these guys are opening now is a cultural moment. So why do we need to continue to, you know, think of nostalgia? You know, so it, I mean, that's, that's not allowed. That nostalgia can be very, uh, can be very irresponsible emotion. So we should be very careful the way we think about it. Um, I think the Nigerian musicians and creatives have taken the baton from the guys or the likes of Elano um, and Bruce Campbell, Sonia Dianko, and they are doing incredible things with it. Now, if the, the question is, are these guys engaging with this generation? Like the people who came before them, are they looking at the treasure trove uh enough? Maybe not. Maybe not yet. But if you go and look at someone like uh, Davido's uh, discography, there's a song written, which is essentially Davido be doing an Orlando song or an Orlando rhythm. And Joro Joro and uh, whatever whiskey is Joro is fela now. I mean mm. Joro Jara Joro and then it takes it and yeah. shapes it into so when we when we really say that these guys are not engaging with this it's an ag- it's quite arguable you know yeah yeah so that's my own thought about it um i'm a bit very passionate about um this idea that uh, there's this idea that i think is also passed down from older generations that the newer generations are not doing anything at all not cool. that's not it's true it's not they're true. doing they're doing good stuff if anybody cares to listen yeah this um other question that i want to
1: ask as well um, in the late 60s around 68 or so ambrose Campbell was working with colombia and he was in the us for a while now we know that like you said earlier too you, you called a couple of genres that she was you know particularly about high life juju and then jazz and the calypso vibe that we got off "Enirin Koi" from that that song that was released in 1957 um i, I wanted to ask because i was i'm not so sure about how much of the expo because like we were saying before, a lot of people know who Ambrose Campbell is, but it's like they don't understand how big of an influence he was on Nigerian music. So I don't know if you if you have like an idea of the kind of music he was exporting back to the country in the 70s. Because thinking about the 70s time it's such a vague time for Nigerian music. There was no, like you said, there was no proper structure or line of music, apart from the other Juju guys and the, the older guys that had been doing what they had been doing since, maybe Akbala then, but was there a kind of music that was being exported by him here to this point that people were loving and enjoying?
3: So the thing about Campbell is that between the 70s and um, the 2000s, there's very little known about what he was doing. But what is known was that he was in America, Okay. So we traveled to America wow. in 1972 um, with a record producer called um, Danny Cordell, and um, they recorded an album. With, um I don't know, was it uh, Willie N- Nelson and Russell? Oh yeah, Willie mm. Nelson. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so so it was it was with ne- it was with Leon Russell for quite a while. He settled in Nashville, which is like the song capital of the world remarried and lived there, you know? So that's what, that's information that we have. So a lot of what he was doing in America is not clear. Maybe he was working as a social musician, maybe he started a business, but knowing Campbell who he was, and even at the time he was about to die, he was still recording music. In fact, he had a studio that was built by one of his um, grandchildren. In Plymouth, where he was living at the time, so I, my understanding is really that he, he probably was making music, writing music, playing as a session musician. You know, I, I guess the best people that, the best, the people that are probably best place to tell you about Campbell at the time, especially in his sojourn in America, are the likes of OJ um, Ekemode who's now passed. was said to have introduced to um, Latoya Duke, who is his um, partner initially his dancer and dancer partner She um, probably may know what Campbell was doing in the 70s and what was doing to...
2: so um, what I would like to um, just wrap up with is uh, Afro bashment something called Afro bashment now no. uh, Afro swing whatever mixing mixing um, Again, I don't want to draw parallels, like you said, but nothing will change. At the end of the day, then we exported sound, we imported sounds.
3: Today we are doing this.
2: What do you think? Do you think like is the future future of of because the era is different now? Global space. space. What do you think is the future of Nigerian music? Do you think think we might go back to fetch more, and or we might create something entirely new that we have never seen before?
3: Well, I mean, so Nigerian music as it stands now is a big umbrella where you have to check in everything from Fuji to Juju jitsu to Iboi Live, to Aousa music, to Afrobeats. And even in, the, in that Nigerian music, you have niche markets like the hotel markets, you have the guys who are doing Nigerian rock music, you have who are doing, um, other kinds of stuff. You know, R&B, you have the guys who are playing the cabaret and all of that. So to 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 want to sum it up as if Nigerian music is one entity is a bit of a disservice to all of these parts that are running. Now, if you see contemporary, uh, popular Nigerian music, you know, what, what's going to happen to it? I mean, I can't, I can't say really... Um, we've had Afrobeats, Afrobeat has been around now for more than twenty something years, and it's having its moment. But judging from every sound that has come before, every sound we pick, and then they will they will drop. So what we and I what we don't know is if is how long it's going to pick for before it drops. When it's going to drop, how it's going to drop. But we know for sure that that will happen. It will drop, um, and when music drops like that, it's not like it drops and dies. It drops and then it becomes something else. People will take different strands out of it and use it to forge yeah, form. It
0: it.
3: Yeah, form. Maybe well, hip hop had its moments in the in the 2000s. It has it has its moments in the 2000s. Now. It did, you know. It was brief, and when, when we say hip hop has its moments, it did now and you had the era of local rappers who indigenized rap. And they were rapping in Yoruba and carrying the weight of our experiences. I mean, in both Yoruba and Igbo, you know. And they were the ones who really, it was when, when hip hop was, hip hop as we know it, um, started to rain in the maybe late 2000s. By 2011, and so you had, the local rappers come out and then they took it up and you know it became big and the guys who were rapping in English were worried and quite concerned. It had its moments, you know. (laughs) I I don't know. I don't know if uh, if that what I I mean, I'm a a bit of a contrarian because I always like to look at the other side of things because a lot of times what we agree as consensus is many times people not wanting to think or wanting to explore things enough. There was a time in this country that Mi was probably the biggest, one of the biggest artists. Yeah, 2008. Yeah, 2008. It was, yeah, it was selling out shows and you know he was everywhere. And even he, more than say Mod Nine, who was the more consistent. And he gave whiskey. Well, I don't know if he gave whiskey, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it'd be fair to say that. Yeah. But I do think, of course, that
0: yeah, he
3: gave whiskey. So um a good break on fast money fast cars yeah. but if and i tell you this with all my heart if mm-hmm. whiskey was not on fast money fast cars there would have been another song was, that whiskey would have been it on was, he was he was, outside, he was destined to be great you get so i don't know if yeah but i mean, shout out to emma and you know he, he he's a, he's a an OG in that sense well, I mean, but it's not a new thing now. All rappers have to um, massage as their own as egos. As now. Kendrick Lamar calls himself the greatest rapper alive as well. Now. It's a consistent conversation that rappers have with their own vanity: that are you the greatest rapper alive? Am I the greatest rapper alive? It's it's a it's a certain kind of novel gazing that the hip hop game also is obsessed with. But well, a lot of times you have to sidestep side step some of these conversations and ask yourself that, that that what's the meaning of it? You're only as good as your last album, aren't
1: you? Um, yeah. Back to something um, I just one of these uh, questions, uh, questions I already asked before I already addressed. I just want clarity from um, Ambrose Campbell's Enyirin Koyi uh, to um, Chief, Chief Commander Ebenezer Obi. Can you just please tell us the genre switch? The genre like switching places like. Whether it was um, calypso, or rocksteady, or, mm-hmm. or whatever vibe it was, to the vibe that and the vibe and the genre that Ebenezer Obi was giving in his own version.
3: Well, I mean, so by the time Obi was was doing his own version of *Nirinkole*, uh, it was an era where there was um, medleys were the thing. So you had songs that could go on for long plays. Unlike when Campbell was doing this, when he was doing very short, short songs, maybe like the format was maybe two, three minutes at the most. So you have that, you know, and so Campbell who has a short, shorter version, and obey who has a more expansive version, you have Ubi's version, is more languid, is more meditative, it's not in a hurry to go anywhere. They're both singing in Yoruba, you know, so the, clarity of the lyrics is same, really, isn't it? Um, They're singing the same language. The same
2: verse,
3: the same flow. Same verse, same flow. So there's that. But if you look at the music itself, in itself, you find that Campbell's version is, um, is, it has a very contemporary, edgy, rock-steady feel to it. So it's more uppity, more jumpy, and if you listen to base version, base version is more languid, more juju-like, mm. more, even slower in tempo, which is not un- unusual for Ubi. Uh, music was never, I mean, juju music in general is not a music it's of, uh, come on, it's, uh, yeah, it's just mu- on to, music, to sway, music to sway to, you know, because the Yoruba elites also did not believe that you needed to be uh, down. like a Fuji musician. You know they don't expect you to do that is for them it's to be uncouth for you to do that you just have to be you know just slow sway sway your brother you know shake your bum that kind of stuff you know so yeah that was the feel you know so but obviously um um version you could almost say it had a reggae or rock steady feel to it so yeah it's it, it has all that caribbean influences but by the time it arrived in nigeria on, um, on um, Ebenezer Obe's lap. It was fully juju, mm. like heavy, core juju. Yeah, properly domesticated. You know, which obviously is, maybe it was also a case of, uh, obey was returning the music to its original uh, nature, as opposed to Campbell who had to adapt it to the climes that he was in. Because if he played if Campbell played it and I, i'm sure Campbell could have played the song in the format that Obey played it in but who go dance <laughs> you know yeah yeah so that's it
2: yeah interesting uh, i think we have all we need from you and we do appreciate that but before we let you go uh what are you listening to lately what's popping
3: ah you guys always want to know what i'm listening to <laughs> Uh, at the moment, uh, I just came back from holiday, so I'm not really, I'm, not, I'm just trying to catch I up. I'm
2: sure Kisdaniel is somewhere. inside somewhere.
3: Oh, Daniel is the, is the king of Afrobeats, as far as ah. I'm concerned. <laughs> do controversial yes. statements. Yeah. Sir. <laughs> you want to start? Yeah, this? I know. <laughs> I know. But you know what I found out recently in my travels and uh, just exploring Nigeria nightlife, London nightlife, Abuja nightlife. Mm. You know, by the nightlife, Kis Daniel appears to be the way DJs keep their parties going. Hmm.
2: Groove.
3: Every time a Kiss Daniel song comes, the way it re energizes the dance floor or refreshes it is wonderful to look at. It's there, you know, and I see them do it all. So it's almost like as if they know that I almost, if I play a Kis Daniel song this at this point, short, short I can, I pitch can pitch. put the party together yeah you know i mean and this body of work is actually incredible incredible
0: mm.
3: you know he's on song and for me as a critic i'm not interested in people that i'm not interested interested in whiskey because we are going to listen to whiskey we have no choice anyway that's the way god has made it yeah. we listen to bonaboy we have no choice
2: yeah
3: that's the way god has made it but the likes of kiss daniel are not getting their flowers. Hmm. They're not. Yeah. Kizania hasn't gotten his flowers yet. Is, is that? Legit? I mean,
2: is, is this? Um, do we all agree on this, or is arguable? Oh,
3: well, I, I mean, I as, far I, as far as I, I'm I, concerned, I agree. I agree. With, I agree with you. I yeah, like, yeah, as far as I'm, I'm concerned, understand. like you know, think about Kizania. Kizania has had a very solid run of maybe, maybe I'm less than 2015. Sound.
1: No bad songs, basically, but because of the top three. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. You don't look at him at all. Mm-hmm.
3: You don't, I don't think Daniel even comes in the first five.
2: hmm I see now.
3: So maybe when you're now talking of the, the maybe first 10, then you now be saying, oh, and let's put Kisdana maybe number eight or number seven. But I assure you that this guy should be either number three or four. Hmm. I mean, look at Barnabas. Barnabas is the best record that came out in Nigeria last year. Period. It is. The EP is incredible. You know, it's just incredible. And it's the, the play, you the play value, relevance. You play O'Shea in a party. You play Barnabas in a party. You play any of those songs.
2: And Buga is everywhere
3: now. And, I mean, Buga is everywhere now. Buga is everywhere now. Buga is the most shassan awesome song in the, the world. This
2: about is about kids. Anybody else you're, you're checking out?
3: No, but, but then no, but then we need to, we should make it about keys because keys is the, <laughs> the real to,
1: connection. Yeah,
3: is wow. the real connection between Juju music and Afrobeats. is wow. the one who is an i life, he has it in him, he's incredible. The way he's yeah, able to no good, take...
2: You do pass yourself, that's that's a staple, tales by moonlight
3: sample. Mm. You know, he's so he, he's able to take things and refine it in incredible ways. Mm. The is like is, I, I actually think that Kizana can lead a juju a juju band, band. and sing. I, I think his father did that. Yeah, so he comes from his, his father was a was a musician apparently, um, in, and also a lecturer in um, in Kuta, oh. one of the schools there, one of the tertiary institutions there. I mean, that's that's what the legend says. So he he has it in him. And think about his songwriting; is is easily one of the finest. Yes. I do not forget that whiskey sampled or sang a Kizaniel song okay. i don't think whiskey has done that for any other yeah, contemporaries
2: just want to have a good
3: yes now yes yeah yeah you did it but that's a remix. whiskey did the version yeah yeah but you know but he we sang it do. almost like as if he was one who did it yeah you know so and that was back then so i'm just trying to say song. to you that yeah and you kind of you know so i'm just saying to you that i'm just saying that Kizanelli is that guy that people have chosen to sleep on. And if that's the only thing I've said to you, I'm happy. I'm very happy I said it.
2: You, you write a lot about British culture and arts. too. What's out there that we don't know that we should know music-wise?
3: I mean, I don't know if you guys ever listened to Jew's album. Jew's album is, was very good. I did, I did actually. But Jew, Jews released his album in the middle of um, the November glut. I think nobody. Should. I think people should not be releasing albums in November. It's not. It's, it's a disservice to the album
2: because of the uh, dirty December.
3: So everybody releases albums at that time now. So it's you can't easy. get any traction. You, can get you can't stuff. get any traction from it. Hmm. You know, that? and the music that people are going to listen to at dirty December already probably came out maybe since September. Hmm. So August is probably the best time for you to release music, release new new material,
2: and let it simmer.
3: You know, and see if it simmers. Well, February. But, I mean, you could release it in February and it just disappears, like Adekulis Goose album.
2: Interesting. Um, congratulations on your book, your latest, Affection and Other Accidents. Uh, of course, it's, ah, thanks. it's uh, a book of poems. And I, I was reading about, you know, it's a collection of poems that explains a love story that comes to an end. I don't know if this is yeah. invading your space, but is this personal or fiction?
3: I mean, it's, it's um it's inspired by personal experiences. Oh, okay,
2: interesting. But
3: what what's written there is it's not the truth as it is. It is yeah. not the fact as it was. It, it's the feelings as they were felt. Yeah. So I don't know if yeah. that's helpful. But thanks, thanks, I Amir. Mean, I'm happy to. Yeah, I'm happy cool. to hear that you know that you guys are you know yeah even I my book on your, <laughs> your music. Show. I also I also read your
1: piece on the mystery of uh, the murder of um, Ayla as well. Right.
3: Yeah, yeah was, that was a long
1: time ago. Yes, yes, but I saw that you retweeted it, and I just about eight minutes um, read, and it was it was very, very well put together. I was like pointing out yeah. that all of those things come from, you know, so many people's um basically hearsay, but then put together in a way that mm-hmm. you can connect the dots. I even gave us the readers small homework to connect the dots ourselves.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, thanks, bro. I wrote that um, sometimes last year because I was also very. Uh, in the, I was very into the, I was very optimistic about Ayala getting his um, deal. I mean, the working class Yoruba uh, living in southwest Yoruba land do not need to be told who Ayala is. That's for you elites who do not know anything anyway to figure him out, you know, and it was just beautiful that a book had been written by Festus Adedaya. I mean, Professor Adedayo's book is by all means the only book that we have that tells us the story of Anila. And what Adedayo did, or what his accomplishment was, is that it, it, it's a, it's, it takes all the stories of people. I mean, and a lot of stories, when stories are left, <laughs> left alone, or when stories have been in existence for a long time, they become myths in some sense. Because in telling stories we we also fictionalize them, don't we? We you know, we exaggerate, we condense, we reflect on them in just the way that I've said to you that my collection of poems is not is based on, but it's not you know exactly because there's something that we want to do, you know. So that's also the way Ailla Story also um, has evolved into that mythical status. Chinese which, here and there. Exactly, you know, and I mean, it was it was a, it was a great guy. he was a fine musician. It was a generous man, a womanizer. But what remains with us, despite of all the nonsense of all the values or lack thereof of his life, is that he left us with music. Yeah, that would last forever. Yeah, you know, and that's and that's why we're really celebrating him. So. I'm very happy that the film is out on Netflix because people like us who were living abroad could not watch it in uh, when it came out in Nigeria. Yeah, you know, we, there was no way we prayed, we prayed, we you know, we fasted, you know, <laughs> for sure. I
2: mean, and it was middle of the
3: pandemic. And so now we have watched it three times. No, mm-hmm. four.
0: Uh-uh.
1: <laughs> for two days I, I, yeah. I, I have seen it two times too and I just saw it the first time like about 48 hours
2: that ago is, that, that I'm like this it was
1: such a beautiful piece I love the whole um you know the way it made it look alive and it was so cool to see
3: yeah I mean and latif was uh Amazing. was was it was the standout of the film
1: it Ishaf, was around in... <laughs> <laughs> yeah
3: <Satiemra>. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah 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 it
3: was it was. Yo, and it was it was that was also very true about um I read this book and um I read it twice at, at least, and he was just a very generous guy. He wasn't much a drinker himself, but he would always um drink, he buy drinks for people when he goes to. I mean, it was a beer parlor man. So he was the kind of guy who likes to chill in the beer parlor. It was a it was a typical working class. Abel who got rich.
0: Yeah,
2: Damia Jai, I mean, this is this has been very incredible. Thank you so much for your time. And we do appreciate. Uh, our listeners, we're urging you to check out Damia Jai's book, Affection and Other Accidents. You can follow him on Twitter at Jolly Paps One. Jolly Paps One uh, to find more about his articles, his books, and his thoughts on music and culture. Thank you so much for joining the Sample Axis.
3: Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much, guys. Enjoy the rest of your
2: day. And now we're back. Thank you for listening to that long interview. Uh, pretty incisive. We went from Ambrose Campbell to Kiss Daniel.
1: <laughs> yeah. The switch but at well, the end was not premeditated. Yeah. It, it was just organic. happened. <laughs> it just happened. And then, but I, I, I'm i happy that it, it happened because yeah. like he said, give Kiss Daniel his flowers. His flowers. In
2: fact,
0: he <laughs> <laughs> was, <it> was hilarious <laughs> when I said, let's
2: move
1: on.
0: He Is said, that, no, 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 no. Let this let's be move about on. Kiss Daniel. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Maybe yeah. I'm the one that, that's not... I mean, that debate is on and the good thing is that none of the artists are stopping. No, None of our... You know, Keys is on his... Maybe I should say Prime. He's getting... Maybe you guys think he's not getting those flowers mm. from certain quarters, but from the fans, they acknowledge him. He's selling out shows. He's doing, you know, on his own, even though he signed the Empire deal yeah. a while ago, but you know his place when it comes to hit records. So, yeah, thank you so much. My name is Wei Gadea. Production credits, anyway. Yeah, the difference was 1957 to 1973. And actually, Paul Play did a reggae version of uh, Any Ring or He will find. I've, I have attempted to find. The original. The this, the link, but I couldn't. Oh, okay. But just to put it on the record that somewhere when I was younger, 10, 15 years ago, I have heard Paul Play's version. Check out his albums and you will, you will, you know on Konhe, perhaps not on an album, but Enrin Konhe Reggae by Paul Play somewhere in, in the archives. There was one thing we didn't say. Ambrose Campbell
1: is revered as one of the pioneers yes. of black group music in the UK. And also,
2: Fela acknowledged him as father of modern Nigerian music. In 1957 or in 1945, Forty-nine, thereabouts, after the World War, when people like Fela would be attempting to go to the UK to to go to school, I don't I don't know the exact you know date and time, but Fela later in life would acknowledge Ambrose Campbell as perhaps the father of modern Nigerian music at the times. So, so culture changing seventy years ago, Ambrose Campbell was outside showing people how to do it, and 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 now we have you know Whiskey being the the leader of the Afrobeat Park. it's a new era so yeah that's how big and how important and how influential Ambrose Campbell was you were talking about Britain's first ever black band Mm. was called the West African Rhythm Brothers that was the name of his band in the 1940s if this song came out you know as being speculated in 1957 uh, then he probably wasn't with West African Rhythm Brothers anymore most likely, he did this by himself. The much we hear in this song is mostly guitar and very little arrangements. There's some something going on, but it's not so... I'm saying all of this to trace who the producer may have been. Mm. But, you know, a band member, maybe a few band members, because he was a band leader, so band members playing different instruments would form the production team for that song.
1: For Ebenezer Obi, it comes off that Kete Kete album. It was released in 1973, so it kind of sounds like our our guy. I'm confused about the Kete Kete album.
2: Kete Kete? Mm, the is... Horse and the Man and His Son. Maybe this was Side B.
1: Well, it was part of the Kete Kete album, Side B 1, because obviously the other good, good, big, big songs. I think that's why this song was in... You know what they used to do with Side Bs now. They're just the songs that... You
2: know, like, the they're song not, that album, they're not
1: album fillers, but... The album fillers, so in uh, some yeah.
2: cases, too, they would hail a rich man on both sides. In other cases, side A would be just for the music and lesson, mm-hmm. side B would be some lessons, some music, and major
1: healings. healings. <laughs> yo, and yo, this guy
2: is healing, <laughs> <guy> <laughs> <at>, you, know, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah and then again it's enjoyable there's a way we'll, be, we'll heal you yeah thank you very much for vibing with us we appreciate your time we'll see you next time
0: we, we out, out. <laughs> Where he I your woman. One long I want money. mama and settle to Ah, I love The Sample Axis
1: administered by
0: Goyga and Nelson. Yeah, you're listening to the Sample Axis podcast.